I'm glad to see you here this morning. We've got a couple things we're going to do this morning, but we'll start out in the Word of God today. If you need a Bible, raise your hand up real high. I, I want you to, to get the Word before you if you'd like. I know some of you watch the overhead behind me, but it's very important that you get the Word of God, that you see it. You know, once again, you get, you get the Word of God on the inside of you, and you'll get God on the inside of you. God will start targeting your heart in areas, so get in the Word, okay? Get in the Word. Just like some of you have an appetite for a cinnamon roll, you have an appetite for the Word of God. Man, I've got to get in the Word. Once you get that, go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6. Now, you know, when, when we study the Bible, the, the men and women who were great in the Bible, the Bible, it doesn't just tell you their, their strengths, but it tells you their weaknesses. It doesn't just tell you their successes, it tells you their failures also. And so I, I highlight that where you can understand this, that the Davids in the Bible, the Ruths in the Bible, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. In other words, they messed up just like me and you have. And so, you know, I don't care what's going on in your life. God's still got plans for you. He's just looking for you to, to dive in with everything you got. Now, where we're at here, we've been talking about the rules of engagement. I don't know this fourth, fifth week. We talked about the fight. We've got to fight the good fight. You've got to have courage. You've got to be courageous. You've got to have love. Well, today, I want to talk to you a little bit about another one. And you're going to see where we're at real quick. Begin with me, Proverbs 6, verse uh, 16 says, these six things the Lord hates. And you want to find out what God doesn't like? Just read these. And, and he says, that seven are abomination to him, a proud look. A pr the first one mentioned, guys, is a proud look. The message says it's one who overestimates himself but underestimates others. The message says this, that they are eyes that are arrogant. And so one of the, the rules of engagement that we all must understand is a thing called pride. And pride can show up in many forms. It can, it can show up in fame. It can show up in riches. It can show up in success. It can show up in beauty. It can show up in education. Actually, we could sit here and each one of us could fill in the blank on areas of pride. And I just want to show you some areas that a lot of times we may not look or think this is pride, but it is. Think about this. How many people have a pride about them where they work? It's almost like, well, I work over here, so I'm so much better than you. Maybe that's you. you got to get a hold of this. How about this? How many of you know people that get into pride over what they drive? Because of a vehicle, it makes them in a different category, they think, in other people's eyes. Now, this is the thing that God said, I hate. How about this jewelry? How many of you got a big old stinking honking diamond ring that, man, when you wear that, you, you be sure and pop the table. You want ever Tom, Dick, and Harry to see that and say, look, look at me. See, this is what can happen, even over where we live. Well, I live in such and such. Well, good. Everybody's got to live somewhere. And then success. I look at success in our society or fame, what it's done to people. And so right here, he gives us an insight. And, and we may not say certain things, but it says here, a proud look. And so when we have that look, Father God sees it. 
He knows that look. And, and God doesn't hate you. But he does hate it. He hates pride. You know why? You know why God hates pride so much? It's because he created a, a, an angel named Lucifer. And the Bible says that Lucifer was the most beautiful of any that God created. He was the chief of his music. But Lucifer got over with a thing called pride. And pride was birthed out of him. And so when we as human beings take on pride, guess what? There is a scent that comes off of us. That God knows that scent. And you know what it is? It's the leave me alone cologne. I'm telling you, it's no good in God's eyes. God doesn't like that. And so anytime we get over in pride, you know who we're mimicking? The devil. And you know what happened to the devil? God booted him out. Now, Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before a fall. Other translation for the word fall says pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before a stumble. The message says first pride, then a crash. Now, that's what happened to the devil. He got into pride. And then you know what his crash was? God booted his rear right out. And when he hit earth, he knew he hit it. He crashed. And so this is a warning for us. With me back to your left to, to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles, you'll come to, to the Samuels and then to the Kings. And then 1 Chronicles 21. And I want to show you a thing about one of God's great. One of his great men that walked here on earth. How he got over into pride. 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1. Now Satan stood up against Israel and he moved David or he influenced David to number Israel. Now anytime the devil's moving you in a direction, guys, it's not good, okay? So that's what you want, you want to see here and we'll fill in the blanks a little bit about what's going on. Verse 2, so David said to Joab and to the leaders of people, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. Notice in there, he said, may the Lord do it. He didn't say, David, you do it. And then he goes on to say, but my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? So Joab is telling David, he said, listen, king, don't do it. Don't exalt yourself. Let God do it. And I believe he's saying right here to David, don't you make things happen. Let God do them. And when he started saying this, I believe Joab was saying this to David. Who can tell you no in your life? Who can tell you that you're wrong? And that's what I ask each one of us to this day. Who can tell you you're wrong? Because if you get in a place in your life where no one can ever tell you you're wrong, you might as well get ready. You're fixing to crash. You're fixing to burn. And guys, I can say this right here about my own life. My worst fear, guys, is that I would cause any of you to ever stumble. I mean, I hate that thought. Because you're going to see in this passage that when we make mistakes as human beings, it doesn't just affect us. It affects a lot of people. Look what goes on, verse 4. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. 
Then Joab gave the sum of the number of people to David. All Israel had 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and Judah had 470,000 men who drew the sword for a whopping grand total of 1,570,000. I'm going to highlight that more and more. That's why I read that to you. Verse 6. But he did not count Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's word was abominable. It was detestable. It was repulsive to Joab because he knew. David had said, listen, I ain't listening to nobody. I'm above that. So look what happens in verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he struck Israel. Now, what I want to highlight here, because of God, David, over and over in his life, experienced victory and success. And I highlight, because of God. Victory and success, victory and success. But all of a sudden, David gets over in an arrogance and a pride because of his success. And so he starts depending more or trusting more on his abilities, his military strengths, than what Father God had accomplished through him. This is big for each one of us. And so after this was displeasing to God, look what happened in verse 8. So David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I pray that take away the iniquity of your servants, for I have done very foolishly. Now this is one of the, the strengths of David. That David was a man that would begin to repent. And it's a huge sign, guys, in our lives. When we don't repent, it shows there's a pride and an arrogance in us. But the point of this is that after David had disobeyed, he repented. But I want to highlight something here. Just because you repent, you're still going to have consequences for your choices. What I'm telling you is this, guys. God will forgive you. But just because you repented does not mean you're not going to reap what you sowed. And Scripture bears this out here. So David's heart was, i got to repent. i got to get right with God. Now look what happens in, in verse 9. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer. And I want to highlight Gad here because in David's life, he had always had direct communication with God. He had an intimacy with God, but because he got over in pride, you know what God did? God quit speaking to him. It cut his relationship with the Father. So God goes to this guy named Gad and says, listen, tell him this. Verse 10. Go and tell David, saying, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. Now this was the consequences of his sin. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, choose for yourself. Number one, three years of famine. Two, three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or else for three days the sword of the Lord and the plague in the land which the angel of the Lord destroyed throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And you know what this was a result of? David's arrogance. 
David's pride. Here once again, David had this senses to call all these men. And you know what it was for? For him to see how important he thought he was, to see how strong he thought he was, to say, look what I have done. Now, anytime I get over in pride, guys, there's going to be a crash. The bad thing about the crash is, when you're a leader, you're going to have a lot of people go with you. And that's not a fun thought. And that can even be a leader in your home. When you crash, that can be a leader at work. That can be wherever you're at. When you crash, guys, you take people with you. This isn't God's heart. This isn't what He desires. But because of pride, we have an ugly scent to Father God. Now, here's something that will help us as human beings. We all fight against uh, whether it's fame, success, riches, possession, whether it's beauty, whether it's smarts, education. So many times we get over to the thought, it's because, look what I've done. Here's something that will help each one of you. I am what I am because of I am. Let me say that to you once again. I am what I am because of I am. In other words, he gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. See, I don't care how smart you are, how many, how many degrees you have. You may have a PhD, a post hole digger. That's all that stands for. That's because God. And you may be a 10 on the scale of looks. That's because God created you that way. You think about that. Your genetic, the way you look had nothing to do with you. You just better be glad you had a good-looking daddy is what you better be glad you had. I am what I am because I am. And that's the humbling. I must learn to walk in this earth to say, Oh, Father God, I thank you today. I thank you. And see, that's where David got off track. When he began to think, I got a million five hundred and seventy thousand. You know why? Because I'm the man of the hour with power. I'm it. And when I get that mentality, guys, you know what? You're fixing to crash. I want to highlight one more verse in here. Verse 1. We read it earlier. It said, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David. I want to highlight there. Satan moved against. You see that? Now go back to your left to 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24. And as you're turning there, let me just say this to you. When God blesses us, the very thing that God blessed us with, sometimes we can't handle it. We can't handle the very thing God blessed us with. That's why on the journey through life, you just stay humble and humble and humble and humble and humble. Now, here in 2 Samuel 24, this is the same passage, this is the same story that we just read from just a totally different perspective here. Now, I want you to see something. 2 Samuel 24, verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And I highlight the word again there because you know what it implies? God had been angry before. And you know, the only thing in scriptures that angers God, you can read them. We, we came out of that in Proverbs 6. It says, God hates these things. Well, the biggest thing God hates is sin. He doesn't like, well, in this situation, it was the sin of pride. And so he said here, again the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. 
Now, I highlight in verse 1, it says, he moved David. And you know what's interesting here? In this passage, it says God moved him. In the other passage, it said the devil moved him. And I read that and I began to think, which one was it? Was it God or was it the devil? Let me tell you what happens here. Because of the pride in David, God removed his protection. God pulled his protection back. And so when God pulls his protection back, you know what that means? You're out there on your own, big boy. You act like you can do everything. You know what God's saying? Here you go. And so because of that, not because that's God's heart, but because of his choices, and that's the same with me. When I get over and choose pride and arrogance, I'm out there on my own. God departs. I don't know about you guys. I'm not very good without God. Actually, I'm horrible. You know why? Because it's out of all my my abilities, and my abilities aren't very much. And so this is what's going on here. Now, for me and you, how can we, we get to the place where we know God's protection stays with us? How can we get there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You saw right there, guys, how Scripture bears witness. David, pride, then the fall. It's no different for me and you. So I've got to keep serving God, keep God living for God on a daily basis. 1 Peter 5. Verse number 5. Now get a hold of this today. It's going to help you. It's going to help us big time right here. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. And all the parents said, Amen. And all the parents said, Preach it hard, Pastor. Go after it. Well, I look at this. And when I see what he says there, submit to your elders, you know what he's saying there? Honor them. To honor my parents becomes humility. Under That, that, that I humble myself. That I say, okay, Father God, I'm going to do what you ask. Now, here's the key for you young ones. When you see this stuff, guys, you're not exempt from this. Actually, if you still have parents on this earth that are living... You are called to honor them. I have parents that are still alive, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to honor them. Now, you know, I said this in the first service. My dad doesn't show up once a week and say, Why aren't you making your bed, boy? I'm 50 years old. Hopefully I know how to do that now. But there's a season in all our lives. Now, you know what the Scripture says? This is Ephesians 6, 1, 2. It says, Children, obey your parents which is the first commandment with promise that it will be well with you and long life on this earth. How many of you want long life on this earth and it will be well with you? Some of you didn't raise your hand, so we're going to pray for liars here in a minute. So you want me just to pray for you that your life stinks, that it's sorry? But see, here's what happens. For me to have long life and for it to be well with me, it becomes a choice of mine. It becomes a choice of yours. And I believe when he says life will be good with you, well with you, you know what that I believe that's for? That's for your, your education, that for your friendships, for your future spouses. Because some of you are fixing, well, I better not get over on marriage. 
See, it'll be well with you in every area of your life, but it comes to me walking in this thing called humility. Now look what he goes on to say here. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. That's a novel idea. So you know what that's telling? This is just a form of honor, guys, that we should honor one another just because we're human beings. Just because God created every one of us equal. Now look what he says. And be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. Think about the word clothed there. How many of you woke up this morning and what you woke up with is what you have on right now? Just You got out of bed, man. You were ready for church. That didn't happen. Most of you, if you got hair, you woke up and you had the bed head. It looked bad. And so what happened? You made a choice. Every one of us in this room, you made a choice what you got on right now. My shoes just didn't jump out of the claws and say, wear me, wear me, wear me. No, it didn't happen. I went over and I picked. It was a choice. So what am I telling you here? To be clothed with humility is a choice. And when you wake up tomorrow, humility is not going to automatically just jump off on you i got to make the choice, and i got to begin to say, Father God, fill me with your humility. Fill me up with humility. Why is humility here so important? Well, look what it says next. For God resists the proud. Now, highlight that, guys. It says that God resists the proud. The only time in the Bible that I've seen that God ever resists people, it didn't say when you're the biggest, fattest liar in the world. It didn't say that. It says... God resists the proud. You know why? Because you have that scent of the devil on you. Listen what the Amplified says there. God sets him against the proud. He sets himself against the proud. The overbearing. The presumptuous. One translation says he frustrates and defeats them. This is big, guys, when I see the only time God's going to ever oppose me when I put on a robe of pride and I walk around like I'm the, the, the man of the hour with power, I can do whatever I want, you better get ready. Because you know why? When you wear pride, guess what departs? God's grace. How do you know that? Look at the very next phrase here. He says, but he gives grace to the humble. So you know what that means? When I'm not humble, there is no grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says that God makes His grace abound to us. So guess what? When I wear that robe of humility, you know what God's doing? He's shoveling grace upon you right and left. You know what grace is? It's an empowerment. It's a favor. It's a strength. And so guess what? When you walk humble, man, God is just shoveling grace on you all day. I don't know about you, that excites me. I don't thank you, Father God, your grace is... I need your grace today. But if I get back over into pride, not only does he quit shoveling grace from me, you know what he does? He backs off with his protection, and he says, here you go, big fella. You think you're so smart? You think you're so beautiful? Okay. You know what goes with this? It's called the crash. It's called the crash. And every one of us in this room, if it hadn't been us, we've seen people who've crashed. I've seen them. You see it in pro sports all the time. 
You know why? Because they get so arrogant and prideful because all the money they think, and before long, boom. Now here's your thought right now. Your talent and your ability may get you somewhere, but only your character will keep you. So in other words, if you're dependent on your good looks today, that's great. But there's going to come a day when you're going to have a big old zit on your face. Sorry for that analogy if that bothers you. I'm just saying, you know what? Things happen to us. And so we got to just keep trusting God and saying, Oh, Father, I welcome your grace. Now look what he tunes us in here. This isn't it. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves. It doesn't say humble your neighbor or your sister or your brother. It says humble yourself where? Under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. That he may promote you at the right time. And so you know what? When I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, you know what my thought is this? Lord, you know. You know that everything that needs to take place. So I'm just going to trust you. I'm looking to you, Father God. I can't make things happen in my life. But you know what? You can. You can. Some of you, when you've applied for a job and you didn't get it, you got so mad at God and you said, God, are you not looking? Have you ever thought about this? When I just humble myself under the mighty hand of God, have you thought maybe God has something better for you? Hmm, that's a novel idea. I hadn't thought that. See, this is what he's talking about here. But look what he goes to next. He says, casting how much? All your care. You know what the word care there means? Distractions, anxieties, your burdens, your worries. How many of you got some care today? How many got some burdens, some anxieties, some worries? He said, cast them. It's what you got to do. You got to envision yourself. How many of you as kids cast a stone across the water and say, I bet I can skip that thing three times? Well, see, pick it up. And cast it and say, you know what, Father God? If you said to cast it because you care for me, then here, you can have it all. The problem with most, most of the times as believers, you know what we do? We cast it right here on Sunday morning. And then as we're walking out of those doors to go home, we pick it back up. To cast it on the Lord, you know what you're saying? Okay, Father God, I'm humbling myself under you. I know, Lord, that you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you. That's Romans 8, 28. Oh, I thank you, Father God. You're working on my behalf. Now, this next verse, verse 8, it's really good. Be sober. And that word sober there means self-controlled. Be self-controlled. Be vigilant, alert, watchful. Why? Because your adversary, now how like that, your adversary, you know what the word adversary means? Your opponent, your enemy. And who does he say that is? The devil. He didn't say that it was your, your neighbor. It didn't say he's your wife. He said the devil. I want to tell you a little bit about your adversary, your opponent. He's not your friend. I'm going to tell you, some of you need to break up with that rat. Cut him off because John 10.10 10 says his, his plan for every one of us is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. So you know what that tells me? Somebody wanting to kill, steal, and destroy, you know what that? He hates your guts. He despises you. You know why? Because of God. Now look what the scriptures tell us here. He walks about like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. How have you ever watched 
the animal network. What's it, planet animal or what's it called? Animal planet. That's close. (laughs) Well, you guys knew what I was talking about. (laughs) I've watched those movies about a lion. It's incredible. Those dudes, man, they, they get down low. And they, they lay in wait and they let, why? Because they're ready to pounce. And they, they stay down low and they crouch. And then you know what the, the, they're on the lookout for? Their lookout is, is for the ones that are isolated. That kind of get away from the body of Christ. That kind of think, you know what, I can do life on my own. And then the second one, you know who they're after? He goes after the weak. Those ones who can't defend themselves. And this is exactly what he wants to do. And so he says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may seize upon. Now there's a word in there that you got to get this morning. He said, whom he may. You know what the word may means? you got to have permission. It means permission right here, guys. He's looking for an invitation. You know what this tells me? He can't devour us anytime he wants. Because if he could devour you anytime you want, some of you would already be digested. You would be laying in the field. Do you know what that tells me? The only way he has access to me is when I give him an invitation. Now think about this topic here, verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. What was we talking about here? He resists the proud. I believe this, when you look at this, one of the ways we give the devil opportunity to come in our life is when we become prideful. And when we become prideful, Father God steps back and says, okay, big fella. And guess what? Here he comes. And he comes in. And so when you look at all this, I got to keep hanging out with humility. I got to put it on every day. I look at David's life. And when when David was a little shepherd boy, he was humble. He was humble. When David was over the 40, the 50, the 100, the 1,000, when David was over a million, he was humble. But all of a sudden, he got to 1,570,000, and he couldn't handle the success. He couldn't handle the blessings. That's why it's so important that every step of life that I come in, Father God, I am what I am because of you. It's because of you, Lord. It's because of you. I give you glory for what's going on. But see, once again, guys, i got to clothe, clothe myself with humility on a daily basis. If I don't, I've given the devil access to me. And it can be in the smallest things. It can be, like I said, whether it's fame, success. It can be in those areas. But I must understand that when I humble myself, Father God delights in it. He's showing up. When you honor and you put on humility toward your parents, toward people that are over, you know what? God smiles. He smiles. And I don't care what MTV's telling you guys, that you can be rebellious. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay if you want to crash. So what I'm telling, especially, not especially the young, but all of us, I'm going to tell you, i got to heed the Word of God here. i got to put on humility. What would happen if our marriages begin to put on humility? See, you know, one of the greatest, the greatest falls in marriage is a thing called pride. You know what pride says in marriage? 
I ain't repenting for nothing. I ain't doing it. Let her do it. See, it gets quiet in this Presbyterian church. See, I begin to look at this and I think, how many of us in our lives, because of unforgiveness and the pride of, I'm not repenting. I'm not doing it, God. And so when I have that mentality, you know what happens? You stink. You stinketh to Father God. He loves you, but He hates pride. Another area is when we get over and, and we become this way where I'm not accountable to nobody. I had a lady to say to me one day, I said, man, what church do you go to? And she said, I don't go to a church. I don't need church. She said, I'm so much more uh, spiritual than most pastors. And I thought, well, I'm not denying that with me. I mean, that's not huge for you to say that about me. But you know what you're telling me? You don't need to be held accountable to anybody. You're, you're the man of the hour, or the woman of that. You're so awesome. Everybody ought to bow to you. Guess what's fixing to happen? It's called the crash. Stand up with me today. Stand up here. 